Hallelujah. The book of Genesis chapter 41. We're going to read the scriptures because it's in the scriptures that we find truth, that we find light, that we find revelation knowledge. Jesus said that it is in the scriptures that we find that it testifies of him. And today I want to talk to you a couple of minutes about navigating through recession. Navigating through recession. And it's important that you read the Word of God for yourself. Because I can give you my perspective. But ultimately, what is it that the Word says? What does the Word say? And of course, we're concerned because we're in recession. Obviously, the government is trying to hold back that word. They try to say, no, we're going through a difficult time financially. But uh, all intensive purposes, we are in a recession. And this one is kind of different than others because there's a lot more issues that are surrounding this particular financial difficulty. It's touching every land. It's touching our economy. Uh, how many of you know that uh, you're paying more than $2 a gallon now for gas? <laughs> okay. You probably sold your cars and you're all taking a train then, right? <laughs> almost. Yeah, we're almost there. But we need to understand how to navigate through recession because the bottom line is you're going to go through good periods in our economic uh, history and bad periods. Uh, those of you that have lived already more than 20 years have seen so many things happen. You know, like the people who lived to see Pearl Harbor. We got to see our own in 9-11. It just changed uh, the way the world does business. It changed the way we take air airplanes. It, take, it changes the way we view life in general. You know, so we need to know how to navigate through that. So I'm going to open the word of the Lord to Genesis chapter 41. We're going to read verse 8, and then I'm going to just jump a little forward and read a couple of verses so we can read it together. Uh, Genesis chapter 41, verse 8. Now it came to pass in the morning that the president's spirit was troubled. I say president because it's talking about Pharaoh. He was the leader. So I just want to sort of relate it to today. So the Pharaoh's spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all his magicians of Egypt and all his wise men. See, what happened was is that Pharaoh had a dream. Actually, he had two dreams, and the dreams greatly troubled him. The dreams were a little different from each other, but they were the same. They described the same type of elements in each dream. And he was frantic. He needed to know what was going on. So immediately he went to those that he thought had the answer. He went to the magicians and the pharaohs. It says, but there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. Verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. And they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. Interesting place to go get somebody that could interpret your dream. <laughs> In a dungeon. Or in a pit. Your version might say a pit. It says, and they quickly got him out of the dungeon and they shaved him. They changed his clothing and he came before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, but there's no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said that you can interpret and understand dreams. So Joseph answered Pharaoh and said, it's not me. God will give Pharaoh the answer of peace. Notice he said the answer, but then he answered peace. See, there are answers. There are different perspectives, but there's an answer of peace. And that's what we need to be focusing on. Yesterday, I was so convinced that our media is the worst gossipers that exist. 
They love to foment arguments and scandals. Hillary Clinton said something. Um, she just made reference because she was saying, you know, listen, these things have gone into June. Remember that year that uh, Kennedy was, was assassinated? That was, a year, you know, she just didn't embellish on it. She didn't think twice about it. And suddenly the media spins this and all oh, people are angry. I, I am so offended at the media because they will take anything out of context and they do it on purpose because they know that people love gossip. See, that's the problem. If nobody loved gossip, they wouldn't watch the, they wouldn't watch the news and these people go out of business. But we love it. <laughs> and in church we love it. You hear something about a brother or a sister. What happened? Well, yeah, look what happened to her. Don't tell nobody. Forget about it. By, by the end of the day, the whole church will know. And their grandmother. People love gossip, and that's why these news, this news format, it, it just it kills people. It kills people's testimonies. And all they need to say is, sources say. And with this little permission slip, they can destroy anybody's life. Have you ever seen in the Daily News or in the Post where they'll say somebody create a major scandal in somebody's life and then it was a mistake so they have to retract it, right? You know where they retract it? In page 548. Really small. Well, you need a magnifying glass. All right, anyway. So Pharaoh called Joseph. Joseph was in the dungeon. And Joseph said, Pharaoh, God's got your answer, and it's an answer of peace. Let's go to verse 25. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh that he is about, or what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years, and the dreams are one. And the seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten, and the land of Egypt and the famine will de deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, and it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Notice, I got a principle for you here. It's, it, it has a sharp echo. I just, even I can't understand what I'm saying. Now, notice, God said it twice. Whenever you hear somebody or somebody comes up to you and says, God says this to you, don't run with it. Hold up. Wait for confirmation. The Bible says, let everything be confirmed in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Whenever God's going to show you something, whenever God's going to move you vis-a-vis -vis your future, whenever he's going to encourage you in something or, or some, give you some form of direction, always look for at least two to three witnesses. Don't run the first time you hear something. Well, God said, I remember one time there was this young man. Loved this girl. They were constantly fighting. They couldn't get along. And fight, 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 fight. So they came to us. They said, should we get married? We said, no, you're not ready. It's our opinion. And our opinion is basically um, confirmed by the lifestyle you guys have had the last two to three years. So we knew them enough to tell them, give it a little more time. Don't rush this thing. It's still not ready. 
So they went to the other elder, and the other elder said the same thing. Then they went to the deacons, and the deacons said the same thing. They came to the pastors, the pastors said the same thing. Then one young man gets up and jumps up and down and speaks in tongues. Oh, yeah, that's for the Lord. Uh, you are to get married. So forget about all the wisdom they received. One person says they are to get married, and so they got married because the Lord said so. No confirmation. So within one month, I saw them outside the church. <laughs> he had his hand on her neck and he's strangling her. <laughs> and we had, I mean, we laugh now because she didn't die. <laughs> but, you know, and of course she's fighting and they're all fighting. And we had to pull them apart and they got divorced. So get at least one more. <laughs> all right. Now, by that I'm saying is don't rush into stuff. Always receive the wisdom of God because, believe you me, long term you will be better off. Alright, so now this young man gives Pharaoh the wisdom of God as to how to operate in a recession that didn't exist as of yet. I remember years ago there were preachers and prophets speaking to the body of Christ, get ready, because there's coming a recession. Save, get out of debt. About 10 years ago, God started speaking that. Morris Cerullo started speaking that, a whole bunch of other people. God said, get ready, uh, uh, the people of God, get ready, get out of debt. And the same rings true today. We need to curtail our spending. Somebody told me this um, two days ago. He's saying, I don't know why America is complaining so much at $4 a gallon. Because Europe has been spending 6 to $7 a gallon for years. We have, yeah, for years. When I was there about five years ago, when I saw it, I said, wow, you guys pay 7 bucks plus a gallon? We're only paying 2 something. So I came back with a greater appreciation of the blessings that we actually have. So even at four, it's still a break on a global scale. But the bottom, in Belize also? How much? Twelve what? Twelve dollars a gallon? I can't preach anymore, man. Whoa. Okay, so it just goes to show you that, you know, we don't have it that bad. We're just used to a certain level of comfort, but now we have to adjust and we need the wisdom of God in this time. Because God is still prospering. He's still transferring real estate to his people. He's still sending people out to build churches and ministry schools and colleges so he could teach the Bible and uh, teach theology and, and help people, help our economy, help the young people out there, the young mothers that are devastated. God is still working. And number one, that's uh, number two, He's still the owner of all the gold and the silver. So it doesn't make a difference what people think. He is still the owner and he can handle his stuff. And he's still in control. Genesis chapter 37, verse 5. The Bible says that Joseph had a dream. Say with me, I have a dream. See, we all do. We all have vision. We all have hopes. We all have desires. And we have God-given initiatives in our spirit, man. We do. And God wants to bless through you. He wants to bless you, but He wants to bless through you. Say to your neighbor, God wants to bless through you. See, it's one thing to be blessed, but it's another thing to be a blessing. See, the, the, to be blessed is at this level, but to be a blessing is at this level. Most people just want God to bless them, not realizing that the higher level is to be a blessing. Two people said yes. Everybody else says, no, I just want to be blessed. Give me the blessing. <laughs> what do you do with the blessing once you get it? 
you be the blessing. See, the person that is the blessing has the blessings of God flowing through them. Therefore, they're getting watered as they water others. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So, watch this. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him the more. A caveat, a warning. Don't think that just because God is working through you, that people are going to just love you. Oh, I just love you because God's working, and you're just shining for God. Amen. Most of the time, they're going to get jealous. Don't ask me to explain that. Just take it from me. And if you don't believe me, believe the scriptures. Anybody that God uses has a following of haters. I don't know why. But in Psalms 23, the psalmist said it this way. He said, you prepare, you God, prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. So it's necessary that we learn how to navigate in the midst of enemies, in the midst of trouble, in the, in the midst of difficulties. Peace is not the absence of issues and problems and circumstances. Peace is your heart being still, your security in God, your peace in God, in the midst of turmoil. Mm. While I was going home, I was coming home from Puerto Rico a couple of weeks ago, we landed into a patch of clouds. And the plane started really just doing one of these. Have you ever been there? And I'm thinking about it. Then I remembered that there are planes that their daily function is to go into storms. And while they're in storms, they're taking readings. And so I said, eh, this is the easiest thing. This is no problem. This is simple stuff. And it's going like this, you know, and I'm listening to, to, to Hammond, you know, I'm listening to Hammond, I have a great time to Hammond, you know, where years pass, I would be going, <laughs> I would, I'll be scared. But I realize that peace is not the absence of turbulence, it's knowing that you're safe in the midst of turbulence. Now, nobody's saying amen today. Is it that it's Memorial Day weekend? Is it, is it you're waiting for Monday and you really want to have fun? But always be jealous of those that can see beyond the circumstances. Say to your neighbor, listen, don't hate me just because I can see beyond. (laughs) Acts chapter 7 confirms this issue. It says in verse 9, because the patriarchs, who are the patriarchs? Uh, The brothers of Joseph. It says, because the brothers of Joseph were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt. But God was with him. His brothers sold him into slavery, but God was with him. Oh God, how can you allow me to go through a difficult time? How could you allow my brothers to overwhelm me and sell me into slavery? But God was with him. Could it be that you might be going through a situation and a circumstance right now, and you've been praying, God, how come? Why? And yet, but God is with you even in the midst of that situation and circumstance. Now, I noticed something about God. Sometimes there are things that are happening in the background, things that are happening in the spirit realm, and He chooses not to tell you at the moment that they are happening. Job was busy doing his business, living his life, 
praying for his children every day and doing everything that he needed to do, being a righteous man, and yet in the heavenlies, the Bible says that Satan goes before Almighty God. And God says, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm just going back and forth, to and fro. Even Satan has to report to God. He's, and then God said, have you considered my servant Job? He's just and holy. He eschews evil. And then Satan says to him, well, God, it's easy. You're protecting him. You have a canopy of protection around him. A hedge of protection. It's easy. Like that, anybody can serve you. Basically is what Satan was saying. So God said, well, okay, go ahead, tempt him, test him. He trusted Job so much that he knew that even if the enemy came at him, it wouldn't make a difference. Job would consider, continue to stand strong and trust Almighty God. But the problem was Job knew nothing about it, brother. So here's the issue. Why is it that immediately we think that God forgot about us just because we're going through a difficult time? I got no amens on that one. Everybody's just looking at each other going... No, no. God is with you. God is with you. So, so it says here in Genesis chapter 37... When Joseph had come to his brothers, Genesis 37, 23 and 24. When Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped them of his distinctive long garment which he was wearing. And they took him and cast him into a well-like pit, which was empty. And there was no water in it. Isn't it interesting? His ability to see beyond landed him in a pit. How come God allowed you to see something, but he doesn't allow you to see the pit? Good question. <laughs> How many of you have ever been in a pit of sorts? All right, okay, now I'm starting to see some activity. Praise God. The pit, I'm going to tell you right now, is a necessary season for every Christian. Because you need to learn to navigate in the good times and in the bad. One thing that I'm very concerned about, there are preachers out there, listen to me carefully, preachers out there that are actually teaching that if you serve God, everything will be peachy king, hunky-dory, that you'll be prosperous all the time, every single day of your life, you'll never have a problem. That, sir, ma'am, is a lie. So you need to pretty much get that out of your system. You'll go through difficulties. You'll be persecuted. You'll have horrible times sometimes that you'll have to deal with. And you have to get on your knees and trust God and fight together with God. Not fight God, but fight together with Him against your enemy. And God wants us to know that. The Bible speaks a lot about enemies. And Dr. Mike Murdoch shared some points a couple of years ago. And I'll share a couple of them. Number one, Jesus warned us that we would have enemies. He said that we will always have an enemy. An enemy is somebody who attempts to sabotage your assignment. An enemy is anyone who resents your desire for increase and the rewards that it may bring you and your brothers and sisters in Christ. Your enemy is anybody that's unhappy, unhappy, unhappy with your progress. I don't care if they call themselves friend. If you're my friend and you're not happy that I'm prospering, then you, sir, are my enemy. Anyone who increases or strengthens a personal weakness that God is attempting to remove from my life is an enemy. Have you noticed that there are some friends, <coughs> and I use the term lightly, that love to pick on your weaknesses? 
They never find anything good about you. They're always harping upon your weaknesses. So not for nothing, but I have changed some of my friends. Because I realize I'm not stuck to that group at the hip. I can always change my friends. So I am going to move toward people that celebrate me and move away from people that are always trying to destroy me. See, the Holy Spirit will always give you wisdom concerning how to deal with your enemies. Because it's a natural part of your belief, life, and journey. It says here that overcoming your enemy has big rewards. Remember David when he overcame the giant? Pre-giant, David was a nobody. Post-giant defeat, he became what? He was the man. Everybody would look at David and say, you're the man. Isn't that true? According to scripture, I mean it doesn't say it that way, but basically his whole life changed. The king gave him one of his daughters to marry. His family never had to pay taxes again for the history of that family. Uh, to me, that's pretty cool. Why? Because he chose to attack his enemy instead of running away from his enemy. Another problem that people have with their enemy is that they learn to live with their enemy. No good. Big mistake. Ah, that's the way it is. That's my lot in life. No, it isn't. You can change your lot in life. It's not easy. Sometimes your worst enemy is you. It's a great message. I don't know why you guys aren't jumping up and down by this point in time. <laughs> Think about it. If you self-sabotage your future, then there's some things in you that you need to get out of the way. And it won't happen until you start identifying those enemies within, whether they be perspectives, thoughts, mindsets, things that people told you that you thought were true so you made it a part of, their, of your life. You've got to get rid of those things because they won't ever leave voluntarily. An, an, an enemy never leaves voluntarily. He will only leave after a good fight. And finally... A nice thing about enemies is you want to have an enemy because the enemy that you defeat determines your level of success in life, your level of significance in life. Because when David defeated Goliath, that's when he became significant. So could it be that God has purposely allowed you to come into the fight of your life so that you can defeat it and have a testimony? I'm giving you some thoughts. So you could think in other ways concerning your situation and circumstance. Because maybe God's calling you to be the voice to others that will go through similar situations and circumstances. Wow. It depends, but I'm telling you it works. It's good stuff. So let me give you a couple of quotes, and I'm almost finished. One person said it this way, he said, let a person rejoice when he is confounded with obstacles, for it means that he has reached the end of some particular line of indifference or folly. And now he's been called upon to summon, summon up all his energy and intelligence in order to extricate himself and find a better way. That the powers within him are crying out for greater freedom, for a large exercise and scope. 
Dr. David Jeremiah said this, When God asks one of his servants to endure difficulty, he intends it for his glory and for our ultimate good. Neither the devil nor lions know what to do with people who refuse to be consumed by their culture or by their enemies. Mm. All right, God. Let's go a moment to Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. The scriptures confirm that we can prosper even in the midst of a pit. Even in the midst of a pit. Joseph was brought down to Egypt. He was sold into slavery. He was sold to Potiphar. So Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain and chief execution of the royal guard, an Egyptian, brought him. He paid for him. Now Joseph belongs to this man, Potiphar. So he brought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph. Say with me, the Lord was with Joseph. Now he's a slave, but yet the Bible says that the Lord is with Joseph. If God really loved me, he'd never let me go through all of these situations and circumstances. Have you heard that before? Well, the Bible says that God was with Joseph. Now watch this verse 2. But the Lord was with Joseph, and although he was a slave, he was a successful and prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to flourish and succeed in his hand. While he was a slave, while he was sold into slavery, God prospered him in somebody else's house. And I want to let you know, you might not be the boss right now, but I am so thoroughly convinced that his grace and favor being upon you can create almost like as it were an atmosphere of success an atmosphere of prosperity to such a degree that will impact the very business that you work at that it would impact the very church that you are a member of that would impact your very family I've experienced this over and over again. I go to a place and within, I would say, a year, God starts changing the entire place around because I'm... And I know it's not for me to boast. It's just a favor and the grace of God comes upon that place because He's with you. Wherever you go, God is with you because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit lives within you. Therefore, the wisdom of God lives within you. Therefore, the grace and favor of God go with you. And I want to let you know that there are some companies about to receive a lot of surprises just because you are there. <laughs> Hallelujah. And verse 5, it says that from that time on, Potiphar made him supervisor in his house all over all that he had. And the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Notice, the Lord blessed the Egyptian because Joseph was there. Could it be? <laughs> could it be that God transferred you? He's reconnected you? He's repositioning you because he wants to bless those people? Could it be that a mother was praying for that person that could be your supervisor? So part of God's answer is sending you there. And yet we want to be so selfish and we want to say, I don't want to be there. I don't want to do that. I, I hate this. God, why you have me there? Uh, you are my answer to this family. A mother, a father, a brother, a sister have been praying for an answer here. And I have sent you in response to their prayer. Could it be that God trusts you so much 
that he allows you to go to the lion's den to bring change. Have you ever thought about yourself that way? <laughs> I'm not playing pity party. I don't want to just say, oh, God loves you, bless you, bye. I want to let you know you're so pivotal in the plan of God that God sometimes sends you as the answer. You're partnering with him. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. We partner, we co-labor with Almighty God in the plan of redemption. He's God. I'm not God, but I am a partner with Him. He sends me. I'm like His hands. I'm an extension of His eyes, His mouth. Sometimes God sends me to a place. Watch this. You need to hear this. Sometimes God will send me to a place because He wants me to observe the destruction so that I could pray to bring change. Because nothing happens until someone prays. Why are we here? I believe we're here on assignment. So until we move, we need to affect this very place. How many are praying for the school? How many are praying for the principal? I pray for the principal every day. I have to because I'm assigned to this place. Might be here another six months, a year, maybe another two years. I don't know. But while I'm here, while we're here, we are sanctifying this very place. We're helping to be a blessing to the economy of this place, to, to the infrastructure of this place, for the, to the children of this place. The other day as I passed by, I, I took my hand out and said, Father, I bless the children. I pray your divine protection. I plead the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ over the school. That's what we're called to do. So since it's just about one o'clock, I'm going to finish by saying that God set Joseph up. And maybe next week I'll continue talking about this. And he gave him the power to see beyond. And because he had the power to see beyond, he was able to change all of Egypt. Because the dream was a message to Pharaoh to tell him, listen, you're going to have seven years of prosperity, but after that, seven years of famine are going to come. And somehow or another, the man who was in the dungeon was able to have an opportunity to stand before the king. I want to let you know, there's coming a time, people, and I'm sensing this very strong in my spirit. Listen what I'm about to say to you. There's coming a time where God is going to bring you before those that can prosper you. It is a mistake to just hang and not prepare for that opportunity. But the problem is most people won't prepare for it because they don't believe it's going to happen. So then when opportunity arises, they're not ready for opportunity. And then they make excuses because they just finished blowing their opportunity. You've got to learn to see beyond because the opportunities are coming. And when they come, if you're ready and you speak eloquently, and you speak as an oracle of God, suddenly you will go right hand in hand. You'll be prospered. This man was prospered from the dungeon, from the pit, smelly, dirty, dank. They took him out, washed him, got him ready. He had one audience before the president or <clears throat> the pharaoh. And in a heartbeat, God switched him, transitioned from dungeon to second in command of an entire nation. And Pharaoh said, nobody in this land will be more powerful than this man. He will be the one right next to me and he'll make all the decisions. Except for me, he's the man in this place. So God used them. He went back to his brothers. He blessed his brothers. He blessed Egypt. He blessed Israel. He blessed the future. He blessed his progeny. Why? Because he was able to see beyond. And I want to let you know this in closing. You also have the power to see beyond.
And even though the devil might come at you, you continue seeing beyond. You continue declaring beyond. You continue positioning yourself because when your opportunity comes, no devil in hell, no man, no woman, no situation, no circumstance will be able to stop you. Why? Because you've been preparing yourself all along. You've been trusting God. You're going to continue to trust God. And when your opportunity comes, you're going to say, come at it. Come on. I'm ready for this. Let's go. Okay. So what will happen is, is God will raise you up. Then not only will he bless you, but now you will become a blessing. You will become a blessing. Praise God. A person that's positioned is not a perfect person. It's just a person that trusts God. Now we know that we've all blown it. But the man and the woman that can trust God in that circumstance, I believe that there's a reformatting that's taking place in this time. I believe that God's going to move in each and every one of our hearts today. And God is doing it right now. He's doing a thing in our hearts. He's wooing our hearts. He's, he's taking the pain. He's taking uh, the, the destruction. He's taking the circumstances. He's taking our own eyesight so that we can see with a different perspective. Yes, there are problems. Yes, there are earthquakes. Yes, there are famines. Yes, there's devastation in this land. But wh- whose eyes are you seeing through? If you're seeing through Channel 7 Eyewitnesses' eyes... You're worried. You're, it's, it's hopeless. It's despair. But if you lose, you're, you're looking through God's eyes, you're going to say, ah, opportunity. So that God would shine in this day. So we might be a blessing. There are people that are destroyed, that need help. We be the people. That's part of the body of Christ. We're not the only one. God's body's all over the, the earth. But we'll be part of them. That will be able to make a difference. Amen. Praise God. All right, you got something out of that? Praise God. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. And we thank you for this, this ability to see beyond the natural, to see beyond the circumstances. We thank you, Lord, that you allowed the scriptures to be formulated uh, so, and, and, and written out. And, and uh, Lord, that we have the scriptures today in our hands. That we might be able to see, uh, Lord, the importance of trusting you. The importance of seeing the way you see. Especially in, in this time, Lord God, where there's so much indecision, so much worry, uh, so many uh, calamities that are happening. But Lord, I thank you. Because it's even during these times, and especially during these times, where the love of God can shine like never before through your people. So I pray this moment for each and every person that is here, Lord, that you open up the eyes of their understanding. That they might see the importance of their life as they're living it. They're, they're, they're creating that legacy. They're, every single day is an opportunity to help to create that legacy. Not only to be a blessing in this generation, but even for future generations. Because the blessing of Joseph was not just for his generation. It went far beyond, far beyond into the future. So Lord, right now as you give us the, uh, the opportunity and the privilege to be alive. And the opportunity to serve New York City and to serve even beyond our family and friends. And to be able to be representatives of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, there are so many opportunities in our midst. But there are also enemies. So I pray that you would strengthen us for the battle. And strengthen us, Lord God. And and grant us great discernment that we would be able to see the enemies. Even the hidden enemies. Within and without. So that we might be able to push that aside. And embrace who you called us to be. And I pray, O God, that you grant your people new strength in this day. And grant them great discernment. So that they would be able to speak your word 
to circumstances and situations and help the pharaohs of these lands and the business owners and the communities, Lord, and our family and friends to see what you are saying and to see the shift that you're bringing. And finally, Lord God, give us the strategies and the wisdom to be able to navigate through this time of recession, my Lord, that we might be able to shift our life, shift our habits, our spending habits, Lord, to, to be able to even see the opportunity to be able to create more finances. Maybe you want to bring us to a place uh, where you're going to prosper us and get a promotion for us, get a raise for us. Lord, help us to see these opportunities. And help us, Lord God, to invest wisely. To invest in your kingdom. And to invest, Lord God, in, in, in um, IRAs and 401ks. Things that are going to help us, Lord God. To help our families. To help our community. Help us, Lord, to steer away from people that would scam us, my God, and take our resources away. For, Father, every, every seed that you give us, my Lord, we need to prosper. We need to multiply for the feeding of the nations. So help us to be wise in our finances, wise in our business dealings, wise in our prayer, wise in our testimony, wise in how we share our friendships, who we give our time to, Lord God. Grant us your wisdom, I pray. And we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, give him praise this day. Come on.